0: What up, what up, what up? I want to welcome everyone back to Platinum with No Features. I know it's been a minute, but due to high requests, I'm bringing it back. And today we have a special guest. We have Tiffany Townsend from Genesis Community and Family Services. We are going to talk about mental health today, as I just recently found out, and some of the listeners might not know, July is actually Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. So today's episode, we're going to touch on mental health for the minority community. Thank you for talking with us today,
1: Tiffany. You're so welcome. Now, it's so, oh, it's I'm important sorry. To me because you're, you're, I'm sorry, I just wanted to say, it's a to me because you're so important to me. <laughs> As being, um, you know, a very important person to me, I'm more than happy to help you today.
0: All right, so getting started, I want to talk a little bit about your business, the Genesis Community and Family Service. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about your business and what it is exactly that you do?
1: Sure. Genesis Community and Family Services is based in Richmond, Virginia. Um, We are... A behavioral health community mental health service. So, pretty much what we do is we assist adults who are diagnosed with a severe mental health illness, and one of the illnesses—I'm sorry—several of the mental health illnesses that we assist individuals with are those who are diagnosed with depression, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia. Uh, many of our clients has been in and out of the hospital um, due to the inability to remain stable in the community. So that's what we do in a nutshell. And with
0: our recent times, so you do a lot of, like, outreach work, I I understand it
1: correctly? Absolutely. We work with people who um, need direct training with functional skills, behavioral management, um, daily living skills, access to community resources, you
0: name it, that's pretty much what we do. Now, has that been hard in these COVID times with all the quarantining and shutdowns? Does that affect you guys
1: much? Absolutely. Um, what we see is an increase in crisis services. Um, the My company, we don't provide crisis services. However, we provide crisis intervention. And so, a lot of individuals they have high anxiety. Um, You see a high end depressive state because a lot of people don't know, you know, what to expect. So, on top of already living with a mental health condition, it couples and it triples and doubles with with the unknown. And I think that society places fear, and when you have that fear when you're already dealing with your mental health um, symptoms associated with your mental health diagnosis, it makes it hard. It puts people in crisis. It makes people scared. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to feel. And so we see an increase in crisis services, crisis interventions. A lot of outpatient therapists are being booked. I mean, I've heard some therapists say they're working 12-plus hours a day to address these symptoms, and COVID has made it very tough. Absolutely. Oh, that's that's that's
0: a little hurtful. So, mm-hmm. on a regular day for you, what does that consist of, if you're dealing with a client?
1: When you're working with a client, um, every day is different, and you oftentimes are unable to prepare for what that day may bring. So, from the beginning of services, we are trained that we start discharge from the beginning. So the idea is that you want individuals to think of being able to be stable. So from the beginning, you're you're talking about discharging and what that discharge plan will look like. Um, so from the beginning of services, we're putting plans in place that help individuals with identifying what their short-term and long-term goals will be and what it looks like and what they need to do to work towards um, being independent. And so every day looks different. You can sit with your client and plan out what your week will look like, and they can get into an argument with someone in their family, and that changes the entire plan for the day. <laughs> and so um, it's very it's interesting because it, it's forever changing. So yes. I would say um, a perfect day, and we can't even say it's perfect, but a perfect day will probably look more so like we are on track. We have in a plan that we're going to work on your medication compliance, and I'm going to educate you on what that looks like. We're going to schedule some, some appointments to be sure that you are on top of your psychiatric appointments, your outpatient therapy appointments, Um, Some of our clients may need to work on identifying some social skills, and we may identify some things in the community going on to get them out of the house, because we deal with a lot of individuals who isolate themselves a lot, and so not getting out is something that may be in their plan. Mm -hmm. So um, connecting them to some community resources to get them out into the community, Um, going to the library. I've heard some um, case managers get very creative with going to the park. Okay. And doing something as simple as um, learning how to crochet, you know, using your hands with journaling, coloring, just Okay. And um, pretty much working on that plan with whatever's in there that was identified, what their needs may be.
0: Got it. Now, do you primarily work with adults, or are there no
1: age restrictions? With our services, with Genesis, we work with adults 18 and up.
0: the client difference as you, I, so I do see that you have a lot of low-income clients do you see it in I don't know if affluent maybe clientele is is it as popular there or do you see it I guess what I'm trying to say is do you see a difference between low-income middle class and versus high class when it comes to oh mental health? absolutely
1: yes um And so, of course, what does that look like? You have primarily minority individuals, Mm -hmm. um, low-income. They're receiving other state-funded or government-funded resources as well. And so that's why the majority of our um, clients look like this, because that's how you qualify to receive the service. Got it.
0: Now, if I'm, let's say, I'm going to throw a scenario at you. If I know, or if, let's say, if I'm a mother who has, let's say, a 18-year-old daughter that just graduated college, I mean high school, sorry, I see or I know that she may need some help, how do I, as a parent, go to find these, like, these services that you provide? Like, how, if I'm just totally blind to the subject matter, how would one go, like, what do I need to do to go find these services to get some help? That's an
1: excellent question. Um, The first place that a lot of people go to, or that I would recommend people go to, is check in with your local uh, community service board. And so here, every locality has a service board. And so when you tap into Your local service board—they'll be able to help you identify what you qualify for, Mm -hmm. because um, you got to think about it. This 18-year-old who just graduated high school, who may be suffering from post-traumatic stress syndrome—I'm just throwing that Mm -hmm. out—just PTSD. Say, mom is saying that you know she had a traumatic experience happen her senior year, and. She just may feel like she needs therapy. And so with that, um, you've got to look at the entire dynamic of things. So does she have any insurance coverage? If she does, the first place that you would contact is your insurance company to see what is covered, what type of services are covered with my insurance. Um, And then I would say if your insurance company kind of leads you to a dead end
0: health there has to be something wrong with you right and that's not always the case so are there places where it's like okay i i don't think i might have necessarily a mental condition but i might just need some help mentally
1: does that make sense am i right right like there are so many different support groups that are available in our communities and a lot of people don't know. Right. Um, but trust me, what I say. Your community service board, your social services offices, they know. They can guide you. And I also want to say, a lot of the service boards and social services, they have. They they too are mental health professionals. They are. They are aware. And if they feel as if you don't need something as invasive, um, they will recommend. An organization who may be able to assist as well, and so um, these professionals that are in these positions, I'm talking they've received the training that's necessary to be able to help you identify what your needs are. So um, I think a lot of people tend to forget that social workers—they <laughs> went to school for this stuff, you know. Right. Like um, this is what they are yeah. educated. They yeah. are educated, very well educated, very well trained, and versed. And what... And helping people identify what they need. Got it. Now... So if you're... I'm a someone you that's something. like, I don't know. <laughs> trust me, they'll be able to help you. <laughs> right.
0: Because, you know, like I said, it is Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. So we're focusing primarily on minorities. Now, we all know in the minority community, mental health and therapy is has a heavy negative connotation on it.
1: Yes. Don't know
0: why, um, but... There is, like, you, a lot of minorities don't seek the mental health that they may need or just, like I said, it's, and I think a lot of it is because they hear mental and think, oh, something's got to be wrong with you. Right. Like you got, either you gotta be bi- right, you got to be bipolar or schizophrenic, like, it's, that's not always the case. And so for, like, example... Um, there's grief counseling now I have is there a pro or con to let's say like there may be a church that offers grief grief counseling
1: versus uh-huh.
0: going to a therapist office who you know who's been to school is is does, does the type of therapy matter What you want if, if to I'm do. explaining that right am I making and sense
1: I, to you you're- I'm totally tracking and following. Okay. So there are a lot of free um, support supportive things in place to help people. So if someone says, you know, we have a grief counselor at church, it's probably free. However, you'll be surprised that there are some licensed and trained grief counselors mm-hmm. in our churches providing these services for free who can't afford it. So, it doesn't, I wouldn't say it matters where you go. What's important is identifying the qualifications. And so, if there is a free service, kind of looking and maybe doing a little research or asking around if you don't know how to do the research Mm -hmm. to determine Two
0: quite honest, like, I don't think a lot of people, like, tying it in with the, with what's, just look at what's going on today with the Breonna Taylors, the Elijah McLeans, all this, the George Floyds, like, I don't think people realize, so imagine how the people in our age bracket, how we're out there protesting and how we're angry, but I don't think people also realize, like, there's still people alive from the Emmett Till generation. Yeah, Can you imagine, like, they've been watching this literally for decades happen. Yeah. And, like, they're they're still alive. Like, they're they're not a generation that's dead and gone. There's people that's been here through, that's been dealing with the KKK when they were burning crosses and lynching people. Like, that generation's still alive. And they're still dealing with it today. And they didn't have, honestly, the means back then to just be able to go and talk about, like, you had to shut up because you might be hanging from a tree next. Right, right. And they just had to take it on the chin and deal with it. Whereas now, like, you know, we have these places where we can talk about it. Or even, do you think even just talking with friends and family helps? Like, if you, let's just say, like, you don't have the means to seek therapy. Does talking period help?
1: Absolutely. Um, I mean, research has shown just overall that compared to white, African-Americans are likely, more likely to report having some type of serious psychological distress, okay? Mm -hmm. And so we grew up in homes where we didn't talk about that. We Mm -hmm. really didn't talk about it. It was one of those quiet things, and so we oftentimes wonder, you know, why friends or family may turn to drugs or alcohol and deal with their emotions that way as opposed to seeking some type of medical professional help. Right.
0: I've also been seeing, like, cases back touching, talk, talk, mm, getting tongue with it, touching back on, like, the police, bar- police brutality topics.
1: I've uh-huh. been
0: seeing cases where, you know, there were people who were in mental situations, yeah. and the police did not know how to react or reacted in the wrong way. Like, for instance, there was a case I read, the man was deaf. And he was going to reach for his paperwork that's saying, you know, like, hey, I'm deaf, you gotta work with me. And the cop totally read the situation wrong and ended up beating the guy. And it's like, the guy didn't respond to you because he's deaf, and he's trying to get his information stating that he's deaf, but you didn't give a chance, and here it is, you know, this guy's badly beat up in the hospital. Right. And, you know, you have a lot of homeless people that have mental situations Uh and not even just police, just everyday normal people on the street. Like I have a, uh, it's a black guy in my neighborhood. I don't know what's wrong with him, but you know, there's something mentally like he's always, you know, like throwing tantrums in the market. You know, it's very common to see him walking around the neighborhood in his drawers, like not trying to be funny, but that's what it is. Like, you know, there's something wrong with him, but in, Because he lives in our neighborhood. Let's say, God forbid, he goes out of the neighborhood. You know, he does drive also if he gets pulled over by the police. And he's in the middle of one of his episodes, but they don't know that. Right. That's why I think it's important that mental behavior really needs to be taught in different agencies as well. Right. Because it's not just, uh, you know, oh, let me just go to my therapist and talk to my therapist or... Get on my meds today. Like I forgot to take my meds today. Now I'm out of control, and this is not how I normally act. But you don't know that, so now right. we're in a whole nother situation.
1: Let me use that as an example of um, something that happened a couple years ago, right here in Richmond. Um, there's a young, there was a young man. I want to say he was 24. And please, I hope no one <laughs> pulls this story apart and shreds it. Because I'm probably missing some pieces, but I'm trying to sum it up the best that I remember it, because it's something that's still at the forefront of my brain. Okay. A 24-year-old was shot and killed by Richmond police officers right here. And I want to say it was, like, May of 2018, and his name was Marcus Peters, okay? Come to find out, he was experiencing a mental health crisis. Okay. Okay. So, of course, the family, um, they're still calling for several changes, trying to create different alert systems, um, and kind of requiring mental health professionals to be first responders. And I recently posted something on social media saying that mental health professionals are oftentimes the silent first responders that no one knows about or hears about or Mm -hmm. sees, because we're constantly responding to stuff that may not make it to the media goal is to prevent crisis, emergencies from happening. Right. That's why you need mental health professionals in the communities, and that's why you need mental health professionals to assist as first responders. And so, in saying that, this young man was killed and was experiencing a mental health crisis. Now, mind you, I, I want to say he stripped naked on the highway or something like that. Okay. And as a police officer, had
0: I think is okay. They might be high. So,
1: so, well, exactly. Is this is this person using, or you know, what's going on, right? And instead of responding in that way, this man was shot and killed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be. I think that overall, first responders, police officers, um, even those who are elected officials, our lawmakers, they need to be. Well aware, number one, and trained and empathetic and understanding that mental health crises, emergencies, they happen. And certainly need to put way more focus and training into how to respond to these mental health emergencies. Because what can't, what can't keep happening is that, we're, one, we can't keep killing our black men and women, period. Mm-hmm when you tie that into a mental health emergency and you're killing someone because you don't know and because you are ignorant to it, we can no longer accept excuses for it. Right. And so it ties, it's just so many, like I can go on and on about so many things when it comes to funding, when it comes to not supporting um, private small agencies like my own, not providing the support and resources necessary for your larger agencies as well as social service service force. It's just so much. And so when you look at the overall dynamics of these things and how we have a lack
0: same situation applies in these schools because Uh I like I tell people all the time, like, you know how they there's the stigma, you know, like the black kid, the black neighborhood schools, like the kids are just so disruptive and they don't know how to act. But y'all don't know a lot of these kids are dealing with a lot of trauma at home, like they're not acting out just to be acting out. There's something going on that's causing them to act out. But yep. a lot of people just wipe it off like, oh, they just some ghetto kids. That's bad as hell. So right. we just going to do whatever we have to do to get them out of the school because they just being disruptive. And it's like, no, like, do you know some of these kids, like, their parents are home high or yes. they're being abused?
1: Right.
0: Or t- some of these kids is taking care of the households on their own. Uh, so we see it all the time. In, all the, the, the time. The service that, that we provide, we see it all the time. But no, they they they're the badass kid in school, so it's it's nothing to do but suspend them, or you know,
1: and it's like and send I, them back to a home that's not fostering them in a way that they should be fostered, you know. Right. And then you have, and I know here, I'm not quite sure how it is in Philly, but I know here we've got this over policing going on, yeah. harassing, mm-hmm. and so doing this in our black communities, you know, and so. it leads to murder you know that's what it leads to it leads to murder and it leads to homes continue it it continues that cycle of broken black homes Mm -hmm. where the homes are broken and unhealed full of trauma full of hurt and heartbreak it's just it's just really heartbreaking to see this same cycle continue yeah it's tragic now if
0: there's any so for, like I said, for the kid who's at home, their parents could be getting high, or whatever the case, it might just be a single mom who's working too hard, don't know. How do you think there is a way that, or do you have any suggestions for them to kind of have a way to have a saw moment for themselves?
1: What we tend to find happens there's um, a lot of single parents that have multiple children who don't really get a break. And so it's really hard as a professional to identify what they can do so that they can have, like, these moments to themselves that they need. Right. What we need to do better as a community, as family, is to support each other more than we do. Right. Recommendation is that, and I I will, you know, challenge communities to stand and help each other more than they do, Mm -hmm. because one individual can't do it alone. And so it used to be a time, I remember growing up, it used to be a time where you could trust your neighbors to help, and it's like, we don't live in a time like that anymore. No, it's mind business. It's not the same. Where I can trust my neighbor to say, hey, I need a break. Can you please keep an eye on my kids just to give me a couple hours to myself? Right. Uh, It used to be a time where you could call a cousin (coughs) or another, you know, family member to say, hey, I need a break. Can you watch the kids for a bit? And if you want to go out and hang out or whatever, or you can just sit in your house and do nothing, you know, whatever it is that you feel that you need to do, we used to be able to do that. Right. So what my recommendation is is that we need to do better as a community. We need to do better as um, individuals. And we need need to be more mindful of the things that we were raised to do, that we've lost that, bringing that back into where we are now. Because there's no way that people can be mentally stable and they have no support. Not at all. Because
0: there's a lot. And do you think there's a way, do you think there is a way that we could break this stigma of, you know, getting therapy, especially therapy? I don't yes. know why therapy is just so negative. And especially amongst black men. Like, they're not right. supposed to talk oh. about nothing. They got to keep everything bottled in and just go about their day. Like, no.
1: Oh, my oh, how do we break the stigma is still a big question mark for me as a professional. And I'm sure there are so many other professionals out here who would probably um, have a larger list of how we can break the
0: stigma. <laughs> and not to cut you off, because I even hear... You know, some people say, which just not even, like, therapy needing help, like, couples therapy. Like, oh, I think we should do couples therapy before we get married. Like, oh, I don't need to be telling my business to people. Like, right. like, sorry, like, no, let's just go make sure, you know, get some advice, some help before, you know, we make this commitment. But it's just, like, anything remotely about talking to a third party is just, like, nah, it's
1: hard. nope. Well, mm-mm. let me tell you, let me tell you. And I have to say it this way. Um, historically, we did not have enough black men and black women who were in this profession. Okay. And so that is why so many black families, people of color, have a hard time telling people what's going on in their homes because we were used to sitting with white professionals right do this. And so how can I... aware. So I'm not going to say that all of them are not, but we do have some who are not. And so historically, we've had white professionals who were not culturally aware, who, was, who did not understand right <laughs> and then i don't think people realize
0: and you can let me know if i'm right or wrong you can pass on your trauma unknowingly and just to make my so like prime example you have somebody let's say god forbid that's pregnant and they experience something traumatic whether it be a loss or you know a divorce some divorces can be traumatic you are carrying all this energy with inside you that's going to be passed on to that baby that's inside your body. Yep, and that's when
1: you... you wonder why
0: you see, oh, uh, that high blood pressure runs rampant through the black community. Why do you think that is? Black people have been stressed out since the beginning of the time. You're passing Absolutely. that on and on and on and you're not solving it. Your baby, your kids are stressed out. Your kids is crying nonstop all day long. You don't know why. You then passed off that energy on to them.
1: Right. Yep. So, research has shown, and not just research, but you can see it within the black community, period. Mental, mental illnesses can be caused by genetics. And may also be a result of an individual's environment, and so genetically, yes. Black people and being black in America, being a minority, being a person of color in America, has had centuries, decades of trauma, mm-hmm. hurt, of uh, being, you know, harassed, abused, neglected, just so, so many le- levels of disrespect. Excuse me. (laughs)
0: Bringing it back to the mothers, and I'm only saying just, you got to think about, all right, because, you know, you hear people joke and, you know, see the jokes and the memes, you know, black people got high blood pressure because of the fried chicken and the mac and cheese, and yes, some of that is true, but think about the average black mother who is up all hours of the night, she can't get to sleep because her son's out. And it might not even be necessarily just that, you know, he's out in the streets. If your son's out at a club, you got that stress of not knowing if something's going to happen in the club. Are they going to get hurt? Are the cops going to stop? Like, that's doing harm to your mental. Absolutely. Absolutely. We worry a lot. And, you know. Because even just going out, me being, I'm the youngest child. I'm the only girl. I can't tell you how many times, just, and like I said, just going out to the club with my friends, my mom would say, I'm not comfortable till you back in this
1: house, and Absolutely. I know you're safe. But see, that's the thing. That's that's what I mean when we talk about this, how being black in America has been a concern for decades mm-hmm. and for decades, right, to worry about. And then with the increase of police brutality, yep. the work whether or not your child is going to make it home. Mm -hmm. And not knowing if your child is safe. We become paranoid, and we stress about that stuff. Right. And even thinking about travel, you know, traveling and going outside of the country, whether or not your child is going to make it home. Right. Yep. We're we're talking about kidnapping and killing and just so many things that that we've seen happen. Right. And so it becomes – we become worried, we become anxious and concerned for very valid reasons. Yeah. And so when you talk to a black therapist, and I'm a huge advocate for black therapists, um, when you talk to these black therapists, they get it. You see what I'm saying? They, right. They, one, because many of them have lived it, and two, because they they are part of a community. Where they continue to be culturally aware to help you process this stuff. Right. So it doesn't necessarily mean that the worry will stop. Doesn't necessarily mean that the concerns will stop. But it'll help you process it so that you can live while having these valid concerns. You know. Yes. And that's what a lot of people have to understand. When you see a therapist, it doesn't mean that it's going to. It's like not. It's not like a light switch. You just turn it off and on. Right. No, what you do is you learn how to live through it. You learn how to process it and still be able to function. And that's what receiving these services will do. It helps you maintain so that you can continue to live. Right. Because yeah, I just
0: like I said, you could you could have a good. And I think people think it's more. It's not just poor people, so to speak, or low income people that have issues. Like I said, I grew up in a good household. My parents were still stressed out, you know, like, uh-huh. one being black. Like, I remember a time, and you probably remember, I had got robbed at work. I won't say yeah. the place. I worked for a retail company. Yeah. I was uh-huh. the opening, uh, it was Christmas Eve, we'll never forget it. I was the person who, oh, I, I was a merchandiser, so I got there before the store opened in the wee hours in the morning. It was 4 o'clock in the morning, you know, changing price tags, getting everything all ready. It was just me and my my manager getting robbed. To this day, I remember for whatever reason, I called my house to my parents. Because honestly, I thought it was over. The way it was set up, it was no way out for us to go. It was me and my manager against four guys with guns. And to me, it was over. Like, I'm done. And for whatever reason, I called. It was, like I said, it was 4 o'clock in the morning. I called home. I told my parents, we getting robbed. I don't know what's going to happen. I love y'all. I got to call the cops. Like, I called my parents before I even called the cops. Then I called 911, and it was literally like, I just got to stand here until it's over. But after the situation is over, it was like, why did I call my parents? Because I know... I know that little bit of time, it, sh- it just sent distress all through them. Like, after everything was done, like, my mom told me, like, my dad was getting ready to come up there. Like, like why? And I know, like, I was looking at it in the moment, like, I just want to tell my parents I love them before I die. But... oh, my goodness. No, see, like, that's how I felt. Because it was just like, right. it's nobody here. It's four in the morning. It's no cops. Oh, and I called 911. The crazy thing... I called 911. Somehow, it called a 911 dispatcher in another county. She had to switch me to another dispatch. I'm like, "Dude, we're getting robbed!" Like, oh like you gotta switch me to somebody else in the middle of getting robbed. I'm like, "It's like it's over. It's no all the emergency exits is locked. There's no way for me to get out. Thank right. God." You know, my manager at the time, he was able to keep the door shut, and the guys realized I was calling the cops, and they just ended up running off. But right. after everything calmed down, it was just like I really just scared the shit out of my parents. Right.
1: For nothing. And but see, listen, who you call first was who you thought your safety net was. Right. And that's okay. And so we tend to do that. We're gonna call who we feel our safety net. You know, th- this is our safety. I w- they have been devastated to have maybe seen it on the news right. and not heard from you. Right. So that's how we respond and that's how we were raised to respond to certain things. So I totally get it and I remember it. I remember when you called, I think you might have texted me and told me what was going on. And it's like, that's a traumatic experience. Right. It's traumatic. It's devastating. And, and it like, goes to show how the companies shift. Like I
0: literally worked the rest of my shift after being robbed and then right. just went home. I'm like alright it is what so it is. So
1: using that as an example is a prime example of what happens to black people every single day. Mm-hmm. We live and go through a traumatic experience. We're still expected to work. We're still expected to make money. We're still expected
0: to take care of our family. And then you know, I had a white general manager, female, who had the audacity to say the manager should have let the guys in. Why were you right. fighting with them, ma'am? Because we would have been dead. Right. Right. Like what? <laughs> this is what you say to your associates that just got robbed or att- wow. attempted robbery. Y'all shouldn't just let them in. Y'all shouldn't have been fighting with them, ma'am. We were fighting for our lives, not for this bullshit ass company. Right.
1: That
0: will replace you. Right. I'd have been dead, and y'all just y'all just found the new employee to take my place.
1: Right. oftentimes think of when it comes to black mental health is that the literacy part truly is important. And so I think that once we confront that chronic emotional pain that black people live with, and it's, it's interesting because I'm a huge advocate, you know, for black therapists and social workers and psychiatrists, psychologists, anything that has do with mental health, right? They are very essential mm-hmm. when we're talking about the healing process for Black people. But I also think that it's not enough with just what what triggers this thought was you said your manager is white, right? Right. And they, doing it alone as the Black community is not enough. We have to challenge those who don't look like us. Who haven't experienced what we've experienced to understand, to have the empathy necessary, you know Right. we need more black people to have a baseline understanding of mental health mm-hmm. you know, meaning you know, more black teachers who are trauma informed right. more um, pastors who can support those living with depression more black activists who can organize and challenge traditional mental health systems, that sort of thing. Right. Also need to confront it in a in a way, those who don't look like us, those who don't experience it, that they get it as well. Right. You know? And so that's one of the things that I think um, this entire movement, the social justice movement, is trying to make people more aware in general. Right. And so that that's what it is so like with the black lives movement it, the black lives matter movement it's like that's all it is period black lives matter that's what i need people to get you know right right and so, see that's the
0: hard part when because you have other people that don't get it and honestly it seems like to me they don't want to yes
1: yes yeah it's, it's, like, it you can just real- go on
0: any Facebook or Instagram post and see the arguments, but you got to think about, like, okay, some of these people, like, I've just seen, some of these people are actual cops. I've mm-hmm. seen actual cops that are, my, they might not be black, but they're minorities, people of color, saying mm-hmm. stuff like, oh, um, if you don't resist, you won't, like, huh? Hey, this what? Is the
1: thing fail to realize, regardless if we have black-on-black crime. regardless if we are resisted arrest, regardless if we are not in the best mental state, mm-hmm. black lives still matter. Period. That's all. You know, we don't need to go And I down guess, to, I don't mean to cut you off. My question is,
0: would that be, is that a mental condition? Somebody that just wants to be right, their opinion is right, and they don't want to even try to see it from the other side. See, it, it, it becomes one of those things where you wonder if I can't say if it is a mental condition, but it does make you wonder. Right. No, I didn't know if there was like a pro, if there was a professional. <laughs> Listen, you know, it
1: makes you wonder if they are sociopath. Right. And whether or not they're narcissistic. So that's where <laughs> those two things are some scary. Are very right. scary, scary because a lot of people. It does make you wonder if they are sociopath and whether right. or not they're. And it's so interesting because a group of my um, black female friends that are right here local with me, we literally just had this same conversation the other night for dinner. And so it was a very important conversation to have because it makes you wonder what type of people we are around. Right. And so becoming more mindful of people who just don't get it and becoming more mindful of those who just feel like they are right. our imagination. It's just a part of
0: It's wrong. But it's like, if have y'all paid attention to history? Like, do y'all, and let's, okay, let's bring on the black on black versus the, so, do y'all know the Italian mob was killing each other all crazy? Uh, Do y'all know there was police on the Italian mob's payroll? uh, Uh, There was the Irish mob you don't think there was police on, you don't think the Irish mob was killing each other, but right. because there's Bloods and Crips, that's full of black people. Oh, Now, just because the Italians wore suits, they were, let's be clear, they were a gang.
1: Right. And it's the same with the KKK. Right. You know? They are a gang. Oh, but when and I...
0: a whole bunch of black people join the gang, oh my god, it's it's the worst thing in America. Like, these heathen, these hooligans, like, it's just bad. How y'all think drugs is getting into this community? Right. Right there. There, right. there are that We need to understand there is such thing as bad police officers and they need to be held accountable account. Just look at this whole. I don't know if a lot of people been paying attention to this to Jeffrey Epstein situation. I've been following it and it's a hot ass mess. There are some judges that need to be locked up. If you ask me, like how he a whole pedophile just walking around Earth doing what he want to do. You don't think he done paid off some cops and then paid off some judges, right? Uh huh. Uh-huh. But no, no, you need to do with the the police is right. You need to do with their with. That's what I'm like. It's just like it. That has it had, or maybe if it's not something medically determined, maybe they need to look in it. Like it has something has to be mental with you if you can't see. Even if you don't agree, for you to even not be able to see both sides.
1: Right,
0: Like how do you not Like alright I might not feel that way But I can see Like I, I don't think it's just Black on black crime but I can see Why somebody white might see that Because that's all the media is pushing So I don't agree with it But I can see why someone Might feel that way But there is legit people that just be like no It's just blacks killing blacks All you gotta do is turn the ID channel on And see how many white people killing their wives and husbands Over insurance policies Absolutely. you know what I mean but there are some people that just don't they don't want to see both sides or understand both sides it's just their side and their side is the right side and they ain't got right. time for nothing else there has to be some kind of mental condition absolutely or if not might, the society might need to look into
1: it right and I'm pretty sure there is but that's probably beyond the training and you know, <laughs> right. College. um but you do, for instance, you do get a lot of individuals who seek therapy, who seek counseling, and um, supportive services that have this very, very stubborn and hard shell to break through. But after consistency and ongoing, you know, service, they start to, the shell starts to soften up. It starts to peel back, and it becomes easier to get to, to get them to understand it. I think a lot of people are just complex in general. When you're dealing with people, people are just complex anyway. And so when you're working with people who are that, who are just that stuck, right. they may never benefit from any type of intervention. Right. You know? And so, um, but a lot of who we're talking about who are stuck like that, people who have positions of
0: power. Like exactly. it's really sad. Exactly. That one of them is the president. I, <laughs> if
1: we honest, keep it a hundred, one of them is the president. Let's be honest. Right. Yeah, this, this person has one of the most powerful positions in the United States that just does not get it. And mm-hmm. so I I don't like this hot politics because okay. it's so hard, but um yeah, it's it's like that on every level. We're talking about on national, local level, state levels. You will it's it's insane the number of people in these positions. So we've got one. We've got to work harder and do more to get them out of them. And um, we don't just wait. And this is my you know my political statement. And I'll leave it at that. Don't just wait until election time. Mm-hmm. The work is before then. so if you work before then and you're pushing people it's so many people who are out here working day and night community activists um, professionals who are out here making sure that our voices are heard making sure that we have some type of equity making sure the awareness is out there they are being they are championing for the people right? these are the people that we need to be asking
0: the President, presidential election, vote in your local state, Uh, you need to be voting your district attorneys, your judges, first of all, those, those is the real heavyweights, your judges, your DAs, all that. Don't wait. Don't wait. And if you don't know, just reach out and do some research for yourself.
1: Of your hands mm-hmm. now and if you don't have access to that you have local access we can go to a free public library and get everything that you need so trust me the resources are there you just have and if you don't understand it ask right so, we'll will educate you the best that they can
0: alright so the last topic I'm going to bother you about today I know I've been keeping you talking oh no you're fine I got water <laughs> close it out with everything that's going on like we said we are trying to break these generational traumas and and not going to get therapy with everything that's going on would you suggest and if you do how would you start would you suggest talking to your children about race and everything that's going on in the current state of the world right now or do well, you someone. think we should just let children be children
1: Absolutely, talk to your children in a very sensitive way. They need to know what's going on. And, again, tying back to mental health, there are so many therapists who are ready and available to help you as a parent talk to your children about
0: what's going on. Right, because this is a different day and age. Like, before, like, these kids are on social media, they can see everything that's going on.
1: Yes, um, so yes, I would recommend you do talk to your children about racism, you talk to your children about uh, the current health crisis, you talk to your children about what's it, what's important, you talk about social injustice, that's where it starts, it starts at home, and you plant those seeds so that they can understand it, you have to talk to them at a level where they get it, and so in my house, I have... So I'm still allowing them to be kids, but you don't want them to be kids not knowing. Right. And so you want them to be aware of what racism looks like, what prejudice looks like, so that if someone does make a comment to them or said something to them, they're a little more aware and go, oh, wait, I should not have taken that as a compliment. Right. And so we tend to, like I know growing up, if someone, you know, made a comment, prime example, and I'm pretty sure a lot of black women can relate to this, you'll hear, oh, ha- when well, you have your hair in a natural state or you get braids, you might hear from um, a white person that might make a statement, oh, your hair was cute, but I sure do like it when it's straight. Right. It looks so much better straight. And in a sense, you know, you think it's a compliment, but is it really a compliment? Right. You know? your children um, embrace their culture embrace where they are understanding safety, understanding um, without without fear that's what society would do society will teach them these things out of fear we have to teach them in a gentle way where they are not fearful and so that's the best way that I can capture how to talk to your kids about it so um One of the things that I've seen is YouTube, kids watch YouTube all the time. So if you're one of those parents who feels like you're not comfortable with talking to your kids, find there are lots of friendly videos available on YouTube, Google. Right. Yeah, I recently saw Sesame Street did something. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Like, it's okay to find different resources to help you because a lot of parents don't even know what to say. Right. Um, it's totally fine to find visual ways or you can find audible ways to help you get through it. So one educate yourself as a parent two educate your children in a way that they understand and and it's okay to do that. And um, the third thing I would say is there are plenty of therapists who are again readily available to to help you talk through it. So here, and I'm pretty sure across the nation, telehealth has become a big thing where you're able to talk to mental health professionals over the phone and um, do these virtual calls as well, kind of like a FaceTime or Zoom, whatever. And so that has become amazing so that children and families have access to, um, have that equal access to a mental health professional without having to leave their home. So, the next thing that's gonna happen is people are gonna be afraid to leave their home. Right. And people aren't afraid to leave their home. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. professionals talking about that
0: stuff would be helpful. Well, thank you for coming on Platinum with No Features today. Go ahead and let the listeners know uh, your social media, your Instagram and Facebook, if they would like to research anything
1: thing. I am on Facebook at this Tiffany Townsend. I am on um, Instagram. I can be found by Tiffany Townsend. At, at Miss T. Charm. That's M-S-T-E-E-C-H-A-R-M. My business, which is RVA, is also tagged to my Facebook and Instagram. I don't do all the other stuff. Like, I'm not <laughs> in <interested> Twitch. Um... <laughs> I don't have a Twitter platform or any other things. I'm kind of new to TikTok because of COVID, but
0: that's it. Well, we appreciate all that you do for your services with the mental health community. Keep on shining. And thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you do.
1: You're so welcome, and thank you
0: for having me. All right. You have a good one. You too. Thank you for listening to Platinum with No Features. We're going to come back with more content for you all, so bear with us. And we out.